Love Talk Radio. Yeah, put your heads together right now. Listen, I don't know where you're listening to this at. Maybe in your car, or you're at the crib. Maybe at the mall, the country club, maybe in the hospital. You could even be on lockdown. But I dare you to get this in your spirit. Speak to your situation and say, I will P, can you let him know something? I will bless his holy name, whether in good time, sorrow, sunshine, or in rain. Everything in me will find a reason to bless his name. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Fred Hammond this morning, and I will bless his holy name. All this inside this dusty frame will bless his holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So grateful to be back this Monday morning, and uh, Brother Louis, the chat room is still saying the same thing, and uh, they had sent me uh, a message uh, to, to uh, rate it. I got to rate it bad because it's still not working. It says that no server IP address uh, could not be found. I don't understand that. But uh, I'll get with them again today to see if we can work it out together and get that fixed because I can't do it. I, I, I missed that chat room, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, and I know you missed it too, Brother Lewis. So I'm working on uh, getting that fixed today. Oh, uh, yeah, we thank God for another Monday morning. Thank you for waking us up, closing our right minds. We have the use and activities of our limbs, our life, our health, and our strength today. It may not be all that we desire, but he gave us enough that we could get through the day. He gave us enough that we can look to the hills from which cometh our help. All of our help comes from the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. And if he can do all of that, truly he can heal you today. Yeah, if you ask him, he can heal you today. But many times what's happening is we asking God for stuff, but we won't do anything for him. We won't work for him. We won't totally give him our life. We give him a part of the life, but we don't give him the total life. And use it for his glory. No, we're still using it for our glory. And if he heals us, we're going to go back to doing the same things we were doing. God is not a fool. And you, you won't make a fool out of him. No. So many times this is what we're doing. Yeah. We're praying for healing. We, we're asking God to move in this way, move in that way for us. But we're not going to move in any way for him. We're not going to tell nobody about his goodness. We're not going to talk of his wondrous works. We're not going to make known his deeds among the people. Or we're going to still club and party and do all these things we've been doing. But we want him to heal us. He the one said it. I didn't say it. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't there when God inspired man to write it. Come out from among them and be separated. Now, that's what he said. I'll be your people. I mean, you'll be my people and I'll be your God. But we haven't gotten to that point yet, many of us. I'm still striving for perfection in many things. But I learned early in my walk with him, I had to come out the world and give the devil back all his tools and walk away and trust God. Many friends left. Many friends didn't understand. They called me mean and all kind of things. Oh, she's selling dope undercover. Oh, look at her. But I continued on because, see, I knew what had taken place in me. They had no clue. So I couldn't hold against them what they didn't know. But I knew my Redeemer lived. I knew he lived in me. I knew I had been changed. I knew that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. So I couldn't do what I used to do. I could no longer hate my enemies. I had to love them. Those that treat me bad, I had to continue to treat them good. 
those who didn't understand me and just say, oh, she mean, she this and that, I had to keep right on going. <laughs> I couldn't stop because of what you was thinking or what you were saying. I had to keep it rolling. Yeah, great is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. I, I learned this. You keep obeying God, he's going to take care of it. You can't do it, but he can. Just keep obeying him and watch what happened in the end. This is what I told myself. And I kept going. And in the end, he fixed it. Family didn't believe him, angry, all kind of stuff. Because, you know, when you start off one way, people want you to remain that old crazy way. I know some women have been with some men that when they see them again, they think they the same way. No, sir, and no ma'am. With age, change should come about. Yeah, as we get older, we should mature. Oh, we laugh and we joke, but for the most part, we're grown. We're mature. We're older. We've gone through some things in life. We're no little boys and little girls, but there's still many of them because they have the mentality of children. Men and women, they have the mentality of children. But we grow up and face things. And some people, before they face it, they're alive. Some people, before they face it, they'll get mad with you, all kind of stuff, because they haven't matured yet. I see so many women with immature men, been there, done that. Yeah, I thought because he had the age, he had maturity, but he didn't. I'm sure men can say the same thing about some women. They had the age, but they didn't have the maturity. Their mind wasn't grown. Just the body. Mm-hmm. I need the whole thing. And they joke about every little thing. That's because they're immature. Everything in life is not a joke. Hallelujah. Yeah, we got to get real. So listen, uh, today we're going to talk about the right place at the right time. And we're, we're going to see some people in the scriptures that was in the right place at the right time. Apostle Paul, when God shined the light and knocked him off the horse, he was in the right place at the right time. Anybody know that? When you heard about God and you came to him and fully gave your life to him and you decided to become his servant, become his son or daughter, become his child, to walk up right before him daily, guess what? You were in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Even some of those who didn't see eye to eye with Jesus, they were in the right place at the right time. Moses, in his disobedience, got to speak to the rock, didn't he strike it? He yet was in the right place (laughs) at the right time. Hallelujah. And that's where we want to be today. We want to be at the right place at the right time with God. Well, how do I get there, Barbara? How do I know? Many times you won't know. But if you honor his word and and be obedient to it, if you take time out of your busy schedule to study the word of God so that you can apply it to your everyday life, you'll know. But if you're just going on the merits of God, he's going to do everything. I don't have to read the scripture. I don't have to understand it. I only pray when I need something from it. Well, you got God in a box and have him sitting in the corner and you tell him to come out when you get ready, that won't continue to work for you. He loves us. And his word said this. He wished that 
we would be in good health and prosper even as our soul prospers, even as we grow in him, even as we come to him more, even as we decide to be all his. I'm his and he's mine. But we have many days are led by our flesh. What the flesh wants, that's what the flesh gets. I look at men. I look at when you just divorced a man or a woman. You just got divorced. But before you got divorced, you separated and then you took up with somebody else. How in the world? The divorce is not final. You didn't give yourself time to heal and find out what you did to the other person. Because we too busy seeing what, what's been done to us. But how about what you did to other people? What was wrong with you? What was your problem? The scripture said the first one without sin cast the first stone. But it's always somebody else. It's never us. But the day we become adults, the day we become mature, we're going to look back and see all the mistakes that we made that caused these other people to give us trauma and drama in our lives. It wasn't just them giving it to me. I gave them a reason. But when you're not mature, you can't see that. I used to just talk about my husband all the time. They say, well, what happened, uh, uh, Barbara? Because, you know, men and women, they wanted him. Green-eyed devil. They wanted him. So this would happen. Uh, what happened? Oh, boy, that opened the door. Boy, I just run him down, run over him, cut him sideways, cut him down the middle, and then just chop his whole head off his body. And then I look back and discover his knees. I cut the knees down. Yeah, I'm just talking so bad about him. He was wrong. And, oh, he did this. And, oh, he did that. Guess what? One day the Lord showed me me. He really it's all his fault. It takes two to tangle. Stop talking about him like that. Just cut it out. Many days you could have stood up, you could have said this, you could have did. He he would have followed whatever you said. But you sat back and didn't say nothing. So he sat back and he didn't do nothing. Oh yeah. So now I had to cut all that off. I had to cut the bad talk about him off. Yeah. And I could no longer play the victim card. See, because that's what I was playing. Oh, I'm the victim. He had an outside baby. <laughs> he was on dope. Oh. Oh, I was playing the victim card all the way to the bus stop. You hear me? You couldn't ask me nothing about marriage or say nothing about it. I would be jumping and flipping at the opportunity to tell what he done did to me. Oh, I was such a victim. <laughs> and after I got filled with the spirit of God, he showed me. No, you wasn't just a victim. He was victimized by you too. Yeah, it takes two to tangle. Oh, but that's the way I wanted it. See, because I wanted sympathy, empathy, and all kind of things on my side. I wanted people uh, to think that I was a good person. I did no wrong in the marriage. I was just great, you know. 
He was the one that did everything against me. I'm telling you, when you mature, God will show you. Well, it wasn't just him. It was you too. You allowed a lot of things to go on and did not open your mouth. Because see, guess what? When it was going on, see, I was building up my victim status. I couldn't even think to say nothing because I was such a victim. I was immature. I wasn't mature. Yeah. All of this. I know we cry over it. <laughs> so wrong. I just never did nothing to nobody. You didn't stand up. You didn't get up. You didn't do up. And you didn't blame the person because you struggling to be more victim than your husband or your wife. I ain't talking about the boyfriend-girlfriend thing because that's some foolishness. Because either you want to do right or, or you're not going to do right. Yeah. If you die, they don't respect the girlfriend status. You know, they don't say, well, everything go to the girlfriend. No, they respect the wife. Yeah, wives are respected. And that's the word. A man leave home and cleave to his wife. But some people put the mom and daddy before the wife, the children, outside children, and everybody else before their wives. That's not scripted. That's your flesh. And you're not going to last in there very long because you're not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to do right, even in your marriage. You got to do right, even in your home, on the job. You got to do right. Because, see, many times on the job, folks fighting to be the victim. On the job. Oh, they did me this way on the job. They, they did that to me because I'm black on the job. Are you kidding me? They did you that way on the job because you wasn't doing right on them people's job. You wasn't doing what they paid you to do. You you lied on your application and said you were this and that. And when they put you to, to the test, they found out that's not who you were. Uh-huh. Y'all bear with me. We go into this one while I take this call.
Hallelujah, Miss Dottie Peoples this morning, pure love. And she said, even the church don't understand. Pure love is the answer for what we need. Yeah, it, it's the answer. But God is love. And if we got God, we should love one another. But we can't do that because we're too busy seeing the fault of each other. Oh, they did me this way. I'm not giving them nothing. You're acting like the world. <laughs> You're not showing the traits of God. We got to be like him. We got to be more like his son, Jesus. And we don't want to. No, we don't. 
We want to take vengeance in our own hand. We want to pay people for what they've done to us ourselves instead of letting God fight your battle. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. I can't say you won't get frustrated and aggravated with people. Now, that I can't say. But you don't have to treat them bad. Yet treat them like you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And going about your business. Now, if they tell you, oh, just go ahead and, you know, don't worry about me. I got this. this then you're going to do your thing. Yeah. You ain't got to worry about them now because they don't get you the okay to go on about your business. Yeah. But we want to show love until a fool tell you they don't want it. Because that's who don't want love, a fool. A fool don't want you to treat them right either. And a fool will make, when you treat them right, they'll make excuses. Why you should, I'm telling you, why you shouldn't treat them right. And they don't even know it. Yeah, that's why they call it the fool. That pure love, that's one of my favorite songs. Because pure love is the answer. I, I, can, I can show you all the things I've accomplished in this life. Oh, yeah, I can show it to you. But if I don't have love, it don't mean a thing. I just got a bunch of paperwork and a degree. <laughs> I just got, you know, to let you know I can play through the archives and the podcast and show you, yeah, I hosted Jesus in the morning, but what if I don't have pure love? Daddy said don't mean a thing. And I'm with her when she's right. Uh-huh, it don't mean nothing. Because, see, people are always trying to feel like they're something, and they always trying to make other people think they're something and they got something. I don't want to use Jerry's word this morning. They ain't about nothing. If we don't have God, we are not about nothing. Do you hear me? The only thing that makes me a work today is because I found God. Through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way I really became something. Because I became his and he became mine. And I was able to work in the vineyard unto him. I was able to show God, I'm for you like you are for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm not perfect. And you sent Apostle Paul to let me know to continue to strive. And what I'm striving for is perfection. And I want to strive for perfection in God. I don't want to strive so that I can be perfect. Mm-hmm. But I want to strive so that he can be perfect in me. I will always let my light shine. I will always allow him to lead and guide me in the right path for his name's sake. And when I find out I done did wrong, then I run to him and repent quickly, quickly. I don't hold off on it because he... I can talk to him anywhere, in any place, at any time. So it's a lot of things we must remember. Yeah, because we're running up the King's Highway thinking we got it and we're allowing God to do this. No, let me tell you. You got to make your call in any election sure with him. It's a good thing to go back to the altar often and make sure you got what you thought you got. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that at all. Somebody said it's self-inventory, and we need to do that more often. Because, see, we'll point the finger at everybody else and what they did wrong. And 
and leave us out. Look at the sinner. He'll tell you that right now. Oh, I'm not going to church with them hypocrites. Oh, oh, I'm not going to church with them people. All they want is your money. But what what are you giving God? Let's talk about you. <laughs> Since you can see uh, all of that's going on in the church, does it remind me of the beam and the mope in my eye? I can't see what I'm doing wrong, but I can see what you're doing wrong. But when I get the beam and the mope out my eye, I'm going to be able to see what I'm doing wrong. I'm going to stop accusing everybody else and blaming everybody else because I can't face the fact that I'm wrong, that I'm dumb, that I'm stupid, that I'm a fool. Yeah, I can't face that. I can't stop tricking people to make them think I'm more than I am when I, I'm not about nothing. Because if I'm not walking in the way of God, it ain't about nothing. Mm-mm, you're not that important if you're not spreading the good news because when you die, that's it. Because it's appointed unto man once to die after death come the judgment when you stand before him. What are you bringing? All your immaturities. All your childlike action. That's all you're bringing. I would have did better, but they. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would have been a good wife, but he. He who? Who was holding you hostage to do right? Nobody but yourself. And what your mind was telling you. I see it all the time. People mind telling stuff that's not even true. That's not even true. But that's what they tell themselves. And that's what they, um, let me tell you something. And that's what they really believe. Yeah, that mind will tell them something. And I can't say it's the devil. It's their flesh. have not matured yet. And whatever evil that mind is telling them, they believe that thing. And you don't want to bother with them with it either. Because that's what their mind's saying. And the mind is a terrible thing to waste. That's why they have mental institutions. We have Chattahoochee in Florida. It's where they put people who lost their mind, they say. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we have to guard our mind. We have to be careful. And get humble and stop being so prideful because a halt fall, pride comes before the halt fall. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Hallelujah. So, listen, we're going to one more song of the morning. When we come back, we're coming back with our morning prayer. And uh, after morning prayer, we're going to our scriptures and we're coming in this morning to talk about the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. I don't see. All right. Yeah, we're go, we, we going on. Good morning to you, Sister Dorothy Goodman, Sister, Sister uh, Jerry. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning to you, Sister Rose Brown, Brother Anthony in the house, my daughter Laura, goddaughter Laura. Good morning to you, Pastor David, Sister Sion. Good morning to you. God bless you today. Yeah, I see the numbers rolling in. So I thank God for each of us. And uh, we're going to this next song, and when we come back, we're coming back with our morning prayer, scripture read, and we're going to talk about the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. But one of them, 
cried out to him, Oh Lord, remember me. Come on, Apple. Bang it with me. Went on the cross of Calvary. The Lord was crucified. The mob stood round about him and they mocked him until he died. And there were two thieves hanging there beside him. Just to share the agony, but one of them, one of them cried out to him, Oh Lord, remember me, oh what a shame to kill him. Out there on that old rugged cross, but such a death was needed just to rescue all of us. That was lost. His blood is made of ransom. Just a step, the captive free. I know, I know that I'm included. Hey, I know God will remember me. Whoa! 
continue to ask you to teach us and lead and guide us and help us to get the spots and wrinkles out of us. When you're coming back, looking for your church without spot or wrinkle. And each of us are the church. We are part of the body. We make up this one body. And Father, help us this morning to display your love. Help us to hold up the blood-stained banner. God, help us to be that candle that sit up top of the hill, shining bright that can't be hid. Help us this morning to let you show love through us. But many of us don't know how to love God. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We just react. But Lord, help us today to be your servants, your representatives, and help us to represent you the way that you want us to, what's pleasing and acceptable unto you as your representative. Help us today. It's not about us, the way we feel, the way we think, but God, it's about your will being done. Move today. Fix our hearts and regulate our minds in the name of Jesus. And we thank you this morning. Help us to live right before you. Walk up right before you daily. Strengthen us, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. We are no longer in bondage to sin. We're no longer children of the devil. Help us, Father, to demonstrate you daily. If someone will come and say, what must I do to be saved? In the name of Jesus, help us this morning, O oh God. Help us this morning. We are for you. We want to forget about ourselves. We want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted up. Father, we want you to draw others unto you that they miss hell. In the name, families, God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. Father, I bring every call and every listener before you, asking that God you would heal this morning. Touch and heal your people. Men are suffering, God. Some has gotten older and their lives are not that pleasant and God, they're suffering. Forgive us all this morning for all our sins and wrongdoings. Lord, if there's any suffering because what we've done in our past, forgive us this morning. But Lord, I think many times when your word said that when we fornicate, not only do we sin against you, but we sin against our own bodies. And, Lord, many haven't changed. Many haven't changed, oh, God. So in the older years, we're suffering many, many. Help today, oh, God, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, those of us that are eating wrong, those of us that are overeating, take that away from us. Remove the desire to overeat. And, Father, help us to eat to live and not live to eat in the name of Jesus. We know the holiday season is upon us. Lord, so much food, so much desserts. But, God, help us to remember our bodies. Help us to remember we don't want inflammation. We don't want inflammation in our bodies. We don't want to be sick. We want to feed our bodies with battle arthritis. Help us today, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Touch and heal. You heal all manner of sickness and disease. You took a beating for the healing of the nation. Father, there's yet healing in the hem of your garment. Do it for your people today in the name of Jesus. 
Touch right now, oh God. Move by your spirit. In Jesus' name, we are asking. You didn't say we had to beg. Father, you said asking it to be given. And we are asking you. And Father, we are not asking amiss. We are asking according to your word. Yeah, Lord. So we thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We can't thank you enough for your healing power. We can't thank you enough for what you're doing right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're grateful unto you, his majesty. Father, we appreciate you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, Father, we bring those that are incarcerated. We bring their families before you this morning. And ask, oh, God, that you would set them free. Set them free today in the name of Jesus. For Lord, whom the Son set free is free indeed. And we know if they come to you, you will in the wise cast them out. Or do it today in the name of Jesus. Father, bless those that are in every branch of the military and the administration of the military. Move in a mighty way today, O oh God. Strengthen our armies. Strengthen our Marines, our navies. Our... God, do it all for every branch. In the name of Jesus, bless our brothers and sisters overseas everywhere. Move for them today, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord, as they continue to seek your face and turn from their wicked ways. Lord, those that have to hide, those can't read your word out loud. They can't mention your name out loud. We ask that you would loose your protecting angels to stand watch, to shield and protect. Keep them from all hurt, harm, or danger this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus. Mm. Have mercy today, O oh God. Father, continue to bless America and the leadership. Bless widowers and bereaved families and intercessory prayer people everywhere. God, move by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Mm. Strengthen the day and have mercy. And in this holiday season, Lord, let us be givers like we've never given before. I thank you today, Lord, because I've never been able to give like I'm giving in this season because of you. And I'm not depending on man nor what man say. I trust you this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we want to trust you with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, we want to acknowledge you. Father, you're going to direct our path. We don't want to be wise in our own eyes. We want to fear you and depart from evil. In the name of Jesus, help us this morning. And God, we'll open our spiritual eyes to see you move and follow. Help us this morning to open our spiritual ears so we can hear what the Spirit is saying to us, the church today, and we can obey. And Father, you're blessed like never before in this season. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Every prayer request this morning, Father, I ask that you would answer every prayer request in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. As I was praying, I remembered this, and I want to share this, and then we're going to our song of the morning and come back with our scripture reading and our text or our message for today. Usually for Thanksgiving, I give away Thanksgiving breakfast bags or Thanksgiving baskets or something, you know. And this year, I didn't do it, not for Thanksgiving. 
But for Christmas, I wanted to do more because I didn't do anything for Thanksgiving. And I know many people think Christmas is about the gifts. They don't really know the true story. So they think it's about giving and getting, mainly getting more than they give. Yeah, I, I used to counsel couples, you know, she might call me the day after Christmas, boo-hoo crying. He didn't give me that bracelet. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? He didn't give me that bracelet, but I got him them season tickets. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I said, can y'all come, both of you come and see me? We going to have to, because if we don't, I'm going to leave him over a Christmas gift. The man been a blessing, a good husband all year long. <laughs> he provided a roof over your head, food to eat. You own an expensive phone talking. You, you, you wear designer clothes. You're driving a nice car. You can work or not work. He don't have nothing to say about what you do. When he come home from work, he just wants you to be there. He don't even want you to prepare a meal because he like taking you out. He likes showing you off. And you tell me he didn't buy that bracelet. You got a jewelry box full of real jewelry. Real diamonds and gold and real silver. Huh? But people don't understand what the season is about. Many think the season is about what they what they are going to get. What I told my husband or my wife, what I wanted, what the children said. And, and and many times I've seen it in the black community. The children get all of these expensive toys and tear them up before the Christmas day is over. They're all in the floor. You're stepping up. That's not what it's about, ladies and gents. <laughs> God gave his son yeah, to the world. God brought his son into the world so that we could be here today. Back in the garden, in the beginning, Adam and Eve messed up. They both messed up, and they had to be separated from God. He put them out in the garden. But he, God loved man. He loves us, and he loved Adam and Eve. And so he found a way to redeem us back to him, and it was through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, his suffering, bleeding, hanging, dying, conquering all rising with all power. I, I think I said that in the right order. But that's what it's about today, his son. This is not a day that we're sure that December the 25th is his birth date, the day he was born. But we believe it was around that time. So we take that one day out of the year to celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world. And we give each other gifts because the wise men came giving and then God gave to us, he gave us the greatest gift. So we give gifts in honor of him. And a lot of people done flipped it around. They, they, they get gifts and give gifts to get gifts back. And a lot of times couples give each other really expensive gifts or give mama and this one. And then they, they max out their credit cards and some people save all year just for this time of year to all kind of stuff. I didn't I didn't max my cars. What I did is paid them off. <laughs> and I don't think I wanna do nothing with them. 
If God don't move, I'm not moving because I, I'm not, I refuse to go into debt over Christmas. Yet I have many gifts that I will be giving away. Many gifts. And what I have, a lot of things I can't ship. So I can't ship it to you. So the local people will get it. But I know houses that need it. And not because it's Christmas, but they needed it before Christmas season got here, the, the holiday season got here. They needed things. And so I'm, I'm able to put things in bags or, or boxes and wrap it real pretty and take it over. Oh, God moved this year because I wanted him to. Some people, I was able to get it to them early because I was so excited to give it to them, thinking they could really do something with it. So I did it early. Yeah. Some people, I wasn't able to do it at all because of where you live. But when I tell you prayer, can do more than any gift could ever get. Prayer can do what? Way, way, way more than any tangible gift I could give to you, a gift card, a, a, a money. It, 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 prayer can do much more than that because God is looking beyond your fault and yet meeting your needs. And you need some things. Even in your spiritual life, you need some things. And God is able to see us through. Yeah. Another thing, me and y'all stop asking women for money. Cut it out, I say. Stop it. God is not pleased. If you do right, right is coming to you. If you do right, you're going to be able to do right by some folks. Yeah. But if you're not doing right, you won't have no money. And you'll have to ask women for money. Men. Yeah. So we're praying about all of this because we want to get it right with Almighty God. We want to do the right thing. Yeah. We don't want to just do any old thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So listen, we're going to this next one. All right, Pastor David, I am going to dedicate this one to you this morning. <laughs> God bless you, my buddy. Searched all over, 
couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, nobody greater, no, nobody greater than you. Searched all over, couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you. Nobody can heal. Like you can Oh most holy one You are the great I am Awesome in all your ways And mighty is your hand You are here carried out Redemption plan Nobody greater, body greater, Jesus. Nobody greater than you. all over. Could find no, find no I look high and low. Nobody greater, nobody greater, Jesus, nobody greater than you, nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater, nobody greater than you, now lift those hands, singers, and let's just give them the glory, nobody greater, nobody greater, couldn't find Your hand and say that with us tonight. Come on, nobody greater. Nobody great. No matter where you look or where you go. Nobody great. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Mr. Bashan Mitchell, this morning, and no one greater. Yeah. Nobody greater than Almighty God. We can search all over, I promise. You will not find nobody greater than him. And if you can taste and see, you'll see that the Lord is good. And you'll see nobody is greater than him. Hallelujah. I'm excited right there. Amen goes right there this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So listen, we kind of, I'm trying to move on and uh, get some things taken care of because uh, I wanted to have a busy show today, but we may have to uh, bring some extra, the extra tomorrow. But I know this for myself. God is for us. Listen, I don't care what you did wrong. I don't care what you're doing wrong. I don't care what you're still doing wrong. God is for us. He loves us this morning. The scripture says, if God be for us, he is more than the whole world against us. But we need to know some things. And in and, and order for you to know these things, if you would draw closer to him through obedience, yeah, through obedience unto his word, you're going to learn some things. Bible study will teach you, home Bible study, personal, it will teach you some things if you're serious. You're not studying so you can tell somebody else where they're wrong at and condemn it. No, you're studying for you. Study to show yourself. Yeah, I want to show me that I need to live according to the scriptures. I want to show me that I need to pray to God to be a better Barbara. Have nothing to do with a title. Have, have, have really nothing to do with what he chose or called me to, but that I want to be better unto him. I want to do more of what's pleasing and more of the things that he can accept. And this will make me a better person for him to use. Because he can trust me with people. He can trust me that I'm not going to hurt his people or see him in dire straight and do nothing. Just walk on by like it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. But no, if I don't have what they need, I can at least pray the prayer knowing God not only here, but he will answer. Hallelujah. Prayer is a great weapon. Prayer is the greatest thing ever communication with Almighty God. You're telling the one that have all power. You're asking the one that have all power. Hallelujah. It all starts with faith. Believe it. I know a lot of places they don't teach this. I see a young man, he's suffering. It's one thing after another. And this this, this one young, he's not that old. If he's in his late 20s or early 30s, what he's going through, Listen, we got to have faith in God. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. But by faith, the elders obtain a good report. I don't know how you got God and you're not teaching the people to believe. How how you going to, uh, that's all I can say. We must believe. That's the key to coming to God. That's the first step. Those of us that came to him, we had to believe and believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The problem is we're not seeking him enough. 
Somebody say, yes, I do. I'm seeking God. No, you're not seeking him. Well, if you're seeking him, you're not getting instructions. If you're seeking him, you're not hearing from him. Because many times he'll just say, stand still. He won't say nothing sometimes. You just have to stand on his word if you know it. Because he said, after standing, stand some more because we're standing on the sure foundation. We're standing on the word of God. Look at that. Beautiful. To stand on the promises of Almighty God. Yeah. He said, we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. No weapon formed against us yet prosper. Now listen, all kind of things are formed against us, but it won't prosper. Somebody went to jail, but they got out. They threatened somebody, said they were going to give them prison time, but they got out and didn't have to go back to court. No weapon that is formed against you. He didn't say it wouldn't form. Things going to come up. But if you stand on the promises of God, you stand on that sure foundation, his word, you continue to pray and ask God to make you over to make you in the image he would have you to be so that you can obey him. Because again, this morning, we want the blessings of the Lord, but we don't want to work under him. And then when we get up, we want to be seen. We want people to think we doing this. Oh, look at me. I say, oh, look at God. Thank you. We thank God. Why? He's the often finisher of our faith. He's our Lord and Savior. He's our all in all. Without him, we can't make it. Without him, we can't do nothing. And see, people forget that, and they think I'm breathing, I'm doing this. No, you're not. God is allowing it. He's helping you. Because of him, you have the use and activities of your limb. You can breathe. You, you have your being. You're alive because of him this morning. He woke us up. Many of us closed in our right mind. We woke up seeking him. We woke up seeking a place where we can find him or we can look for him. Hallelujah. We, we woke up this morning looking for a place where we can go and he will give sin a word and the word healer. Hey, glory, I feel all right right there this morning. Oh, he'll send his word and his word will heal us. Not just a word from heaven Hot off the press, he just spoke to me and I spoke it to you. No, he sent his word, period, and it healed him. He sent me to look at the blind man, how he healed the blind man. He, he sent me over there to see how he called the, the apostles to come and they followed him. He had been up in the mountains and the devil had tried him. He went to the places where uh, Isaiah had said he would go. Yeah, and it's all right today in Jesus' name. I think I was supposed to go to another song, but I'm going to go to the Word this morning. And what I have planned, what I had planned, the excess stuff, we, hopefully we'll get to that tomorrow. I want to uh, let you hear a wonderful testimony and uh, maybe read some of the Christmas cards uh, I've gotten through the years. I like doing that. Yeah, reminding people that you blessed me with this card. It might have been 10 years ago, five years ago, three years ago, last year, but I like to read a few cards and remind people, you know, of the gift that they sent. Some people, uh, if you don't have the um, Jesus in the morning, iron on shirt patch, would someone let me know that you don't have it? 
so I can make this a Christmas present. Yeah. And we will be all right in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're moving on. We're moving on. I wanted to share that. We're moving on. I'm looking at Matthew, the fourth chapter. Matthew, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to start at verse 11. And this is what it says. The devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Talking about Jesus. He had been tried out there for 40 days, tested. He had come out the 40 day and 40 night fast, and that was the devil that could tempt him. Talking about bread. You know, when you're hungry, and somebody's talking about bread, uh, even a cracker, it, it, it means something to you because you're hungry. But he put the devil in his place. And that devil had to leave him. So now the angels of the Lord come and minister unto him. He was in the right place, him and now, at the right time. Every step of that right there, the, the going through with the being tempted, uh, turned these stones to bread, took him on the highest pinnacle and told him, hey, if you truly the son of God, jump off here. He's going to give his angels charge over you unless you dash your foot. Jesus told him some things. Look, the last thing he told him said, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. We need to get that in our spirit because the enemy going to come. Your flesh going to rise up. But through all of this, Jesus was in the right place at the right time. That's how he was able to overcome it. He tell, told me all the time uh, I had to overcome. They hated me, they hate you. They lied on me, they lie on you. Whatever I, I've gone through, you'll go through it. 12 says this. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali. Naphtali. Now, look. 14 says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying in 15, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond John, Galilee of the Gentiles. See, it, it, this was prophesied that this would take place. But yet Jesus had to be in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. I know it sounds strange, but he God. Yes, he is. The son of God had to be in the right place at the right time. He sent them his flesh. He was the word, and God made the word flesh, and that flesh dwelt among man. He had a purpose and a plan. God sent him. He often said, I come to do the work of him that sent me. Hallelujah. It was a spiritual work, and in many cases, natural things was fixed through the spiritual work. Hallelujah. 16 said, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. He was the light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Did you hear that? Listen. And to them which sat in the region 
and shadow of death, life is sprung up. It reminds me of this, yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, I don't have to fear evil while he's with me. His rod and his staff comfort me. Let me tell you something. Prayer and the word comfort Barbara. I don't know what it does for anyone else. But it comforts me. Faith comforts me. Hope make me happy. Hope make me, oh boy. Hope gives me hope. And hope gives me motivation. Hope gives me inspiration. It's all through faith. It's all by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But by faith, the elders, again this morning, obtained a good report. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 17 says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, he was in the right place at the right time. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He was in the place at the right time. Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, was in the right place at the right time. Because look what happened. And he said unto them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. They was in the right place at the right time. I'm telling you. And many of us, we got to get in the right place at the right time so we can be blessed. So that miracles can be performed in our lives. So that we can truly say from a sincere place in our hearts, I know my Redeemer lives. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. I know I'm walking with God. I know God is in me and I'm in him. You'll be able to sing the song out loud. Not because it's a church song and they're singing it in the, in the worship service. But I know my Redeemer lives in that early morning voice, Fiat. I know my Redeemer lives. How you know, Barbara? He lives in me. He lives in me. I know my Redeemer lives. Huh? Yeah, but we got to get with him. And we got to stay with him. And we got to want what he wants. And if we become his, we want to work in the vineyard. There's work to be done. A lot of people think coming to God and just sit back and just chill and just still do what some of what they used to do and just ride the waves on through life. And when they die, they wake up and then they go straight into heaven. Or when they die, they go straight to heaven. Listen, back again this morning. It's appointed on the man wants to die after death come to judgment. We need to be in the right place at the right time. All the time. How we do that by seeking his face, turning from our wicked ways. Yeah. By studying his word and praying the prayer of faith in our private closet. Yeah. We, we, we got personal places where we pray. 
But again, this morning, we want God to give all to us, but we don't want to give him nothing. We want to still follow what the world doing. What everybody else is about, that's what we want to do. We don't want to see what he's about and what his word says that we should be about. We got to make some changes. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We need to think a different way because he made us over. And we need to follow his lead. But if you don't know him, you can't follow him. You don't know the lead. If you don't know his word, you don't know what to do because you don't really know what it say. You're going on what somebody told you or how you feel. Now, we ain't talking about what they told you and how you feel. We're talking about what the word truly say. He said so plain and simple, even a fool can understand. So plain and simple, even a child can understand it. Hallelujah. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Because, and he said unto them, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. And 20 says, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And we know as you continue on, you're going to get to see. He, he, he kept going until he got him 12. There were things went on, uh, even the man that was possessed with the devils and those which were lunatic, crazy, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. They were in the right place at the right time because the, the fame went throughout all Syria. He went about all Galilee teaching in the, in the synagogues and giving people a chance to come. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people that was in the right place at the right time. Huh? I love it this morning. I'm praying that I'm in the right place at the right time today. All day, every day. That whatever I need, God can supply it for me because I'm in the right place at the right time. He said, don't go down A Street, Barbara, go all the way down to D and make a left where I was going to make a right on A, you see? When I went down to D and I made that left, I found myself in the right place at the right time. But I got to hear. I got to have an ear to hear, eye to see, hallelujah, a mind to obey. Thank you, Jesus. Because many... The enemy has snatched their mind. They don't even know the mind gone. They don't even know they're walking around acting like fools. They don't know their behavior show they sick in the head. Medication can't cure them. You can give them it'll keep them quiet and subdued, but it won't heal. It won't get to the root of the thing. Only God can. Hallelujah. And there followed him great multitudes of people, verse 25, from Galilee and from Capopolis, Capopolis, I'm sorry, and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from all beyond Jordan, from, from beyond Jordan, people began to follow. Why? I need a healing. Why? I got a disease, can't be cured. They treat it, but it's not gone nowhere. They didn't get it out from the root, so it can never come back. I got diabetes. If I eat too many carbs, you know, I might pass out. 
My hip hurt. I need a hip replacement. My knee hurt. I need, huh? I needed a, a knee replacement. But with God, if I'm in the right place at the right time, which means if I, I'm in my prayer closet, which means I'm studying his word and applying it to my everyday life. I'm not playing no games with God. I'm not sometimes skipping and missing, but I'm, I'm, uh, he's on my mind all the time. And what I'm doing is on my mind all the time. It don't make me perfect, but it makes me striving for perfection in him. I'm striving to get it right all, all the way around the board. I don't want to just love over here and hate over there. I don't want to be a giver over here when there's still, I got something I can give over there, but no, I don't like them, so I ain't giving over them giver. Yeah, I, I want it clean across the board. I don't want to be gossiping about people. I don't care what they've done and how they did it. God allowed me to see it, allowed me maybe even to be a part of I want to tell him about it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let the wheat and the tail grow together and then they are harvest I do to separate. Now that's the word that's not Barbara. Yeah. And many times people come to me because they're seeking God through me. But this the whole thing of the whole thing right here. You really don't want Barbara. You want God. I know you're seeking God through me, but it's best you go to God for yourself. And have the patience to wait on it. Now, if you need prayer, yes, call me, call me. Hey, 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 Sister Barbara, I need prayer. Hey, Barbara, I need prayer. Pray for this, pray for that. Pray for them, pray for her. Whatever you need in prayer. All that coming to get a direct word, hot off the press, direct from heaven. You want to be careful with that. Stop seeking God like he your uh, personal palm reader, or he your personal, or whatever they call it. Listen, because one day you'll come seeking, and he'll tell you today your last day. Your soul is required tonight. You're going to die. Now, you weren't expecting that. But if you hold on to them 66 books, because if you get in that New Testament, oh, honey, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're going to show out for you. They're they going to let you see the real Jesus. But you got to be willing to believe. And I'll start with faith again this morning. I want to look right over at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Let's see what that says. Because we're talking about being in the right place at the right time. So let's see what Matthew 12 and 22 says. It says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. The date they call it mute. And he healed him in so much that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is this not the son of David? Remember, he was related to David. Listen, the blind, those that were possessed again with devils, blind and, and, and dumb, he healed them. 
and he healed him, and the blind was able to see, and the dumb was able to speak. The tongue loosed. He was able to pronounce words. They were in the right place again at the right time. And look, now, you know, everywhere you go and do good, the devil going to come and say bad things about you. They're going to come against you. Uh, They're going to put the magnifying glass on you. They're going to say stuff like, I thought she was a Christian. Well, what are you? What kind of work you got? Since you're on top of my work, what what, what you doing for God? Because, see, people always want to point their finger, but they taught me that thumb is pointing back at you. So before you dog somebody else and, and talk about what they've done and, and what they might do, check yourself out here. Self-inventory is very important. And even in doing these things for yourself, the good things there, self-inventory, checking you and our other people, you still in the right place at the right time because you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Verse 24 says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doeth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. You see that? Now, Jesus was in the right place at the right time. These people here, the dumb and the blind, was in the right place at the right time, but somebody going to come behind them and accuse him of being evil. So he couldn't cast nothing out but by Beelzebub, the devil. Well, Beelzebub, the prince of devils. 25 says in, in Matthew 12 and 25, it says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. 26 says, And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Oh, he had something for him. He had something for that devil. Yeah. Together we stand about it, we are fallen. If I don't encourage you, and that's what you come for, you're going to go away feeling some kind of way, maybe sad and down, may feel a little depression come on you. Because I went over there to get blessed. She's not letting God use her to bless the people. And I continue to do that. You know that God has left me, and I well, I left him first. Because I'm tearing the kingdom up. If I come in, and I'm teaching you to hate people because of their color, uh, where they come from, how they look. If I'm teaching you to be in my clique, I'm dividing that kingdom. I can't be of God because he don't divide. He brings together. Hey, glory. He don't divide. He brings together. He builds. He don't tear down not his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to look right quick at John chapter 9 and 1. I want to go over there right quick. We moving this morning. We moving. Yeah. Let me get to John. I'm telling you, uh, uh, the, the 
four gospels, it will help you so much because this is what Jesus did. And and this is somewhat of the Great Commission. You, it, the only way you're going to know how to go out and witness and, and, and bring people to Jesus, the only way you're going to be able to work in the vineyard, the only, only real reason you're going to know why you're the usher at the church, you're the doorkeeper at the house of the Lord, uh, you're a deacon working on the deacon board. You, you, you're a minister that, that teaches. You, you, you're a preacher, a pastor that over a flock of people that God has placed in your care to watch over these people. Not, not, not to uh, control them. I said watch over them. You see a sheep going away, you bring them back to the fold. You don't hurt them. You don't get with other members and talk about them. And now, and if you went by the house and something was going on, you don't preach about it in the pulpit on Sunday. You don't do that. You're going to run people away because that's not God. That's you. He said, come unto me, all that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And what we have to do is bring them to Jesus. When I witness on the outside, all down around the bus terminal and all of that, let me tell you something. I don't give them people freedom doors ministry. I don't give them Jesus in the morning radio. I don't give them what Barbara believed and, and, and her uh, religious views. No, they, they, they don't need that. And I'm not doing it so they can come to Jesus in the morning. And there's nowhere for them to come to freedom doors. But I'm doing it so they'll miss hell. Because if you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're headed in the wrong direction, quick, fast, and in a hurry. He's the one that can set you free. He's the one that can change your life completely. So look, John 9 and chapter 1 says, and Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. I know I'm on the blind people, but uh, uh, we going on, don't worry. But blind, you can't see nothing. Dumb, you can't speak. And if you deaf, you really can't hear nothing. So Jesus saw a man which was blind, and this man was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, look at this, Master, who, who did sin, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Now, this the disciples asking him this because they hadn't fully learned. You with the Savior of the world, you with the Son of God, and you yet don't know. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered, neither has this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. He was in the right place at the right time for the purpose of Almighty God. He was blind and blind from his birth. Verse 4 said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Remember I told you? <clears throat> he often was letting you know, I, I come to do the work of him that sent me. I didn't bring myself. God sent me. While it is day, 
I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh, Jerry. Remember that? The night cometh when no man can work. You can't see. Verse 5 says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came singing. He was in the right place at the right time. Now, with a bunch of stuff happened after this, they sent for him and uh, sent for his parents and who healed. It was a bunch of nonsense. But nonetheless, God loves us. And he loves us so much. And more than this happened now. More than this happened. Many more people were in the right place at the right time. Again, Apostle Paul on his way to Damascus was knocked off the horse and blind. Sent down to Ananias. Ananias prayed and the eyes come open. He said it was like scales that fell off his eyes. He became one of the greatest teachers and preachers that you ever wanted to see. Apostle Paul. At first he was Saul. And God changed him and changed his name to Paul. He he is the one that teaches I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, if I'm not mistaken. Many of the New Testament books, he play a great part in teaching in them. I believe it was him that taught us about get your own husband, get your own wife. Yeah, Apostle Paul. I know he taught me about Barbara. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. And that power to save me. The word of God. Don't be ashamed. And he taught me the truth. He told me the truth in his words. Because that's what saved me. I came to him and he received me. I, I got in his word and it saved me. His word took me out the world and took the world out of me. Oh, somebody got to hear this morning. He sent his word and his word healed me. Every day I was in the word, it was, I was being healed. The most selfish, no good barber. Money hungry, money loving. Oh, he delivered me. The word. He sent his word and his word healed me. He received me, but his word saved me because I had to continue in his word to know what to do and what not to do. I couldn't just come to him and put all the, well, Lord, just lead and guide me. And I'm just, no, he, he began to lead and guide me as I began to study, and he gave me understanding and wisdom and knowledge of his word. And I wanted to stay there. I didn't want to leave it. Hey, glory, thank you. I wanted to stay with him. I wanted to stay in his word. 
I wanted to communicate with him more and more because he was teaching me things. He would send me over there and Timothy would teach me some stuff. He would send me over to First Peter and Second Peter. And Peter, the inspired words of God that he gave Peter to write, it blessed me. It kept me. And when I came to him, I let him know. If you're real, I want to be just as real in you. And I had a well-made-up mind, and I told him this. <clears throat> if I find that you're real, I don't ever want to leave you. I just need to know that you're real. I had a well-made-up mind. I didn't have an experience at the church that made me come to the altar. I was in the right place that day at the right time when I made the choice to give God a try. Yeah. The organ was not playing because I'm like Mike Murdoch this morning. Mike said that music be going and, <laughs> and he was just a planting seeds. Thousands of dollars out of his little 5000 his little royalty money. Mike said he was just a planting seed because the music was going and you know they was talking and covering and talk. When he come to himself, he was sick. <laughs> and then Mike Murdoch gonna tell the truth about that money. Y'all don't have to worry about it. But yeah, we come to God from a sincere place in our hearts. And we give him our whole heart. Many of us, we want to keep, you know, a little piece of it for us, you know. We want to keep some for Big John and, you know. Carol, you know, we want to keep a little bit of the heart for the children, you know, big mama, mama, grandmama, you know, granddaddy, you know, our best friends, we, you know, we love them, so we want to keep a little bit, you know, but I want to give it all to him. I gave him the whole heart, and he fixed it, and he fixed it in a place where if my children is wrong, I don't uphold them in their wrongdoings. I don't make excuses for your wrongdoing. That's why we don't. I'll see you when I see you. And I know they love me. I'm their mother. I'm the only mother they ever had. I mean, they could have been with other women that say, you know, I do this for you, I do that for you, and did it for them, and that's fine. But I'm the biological, and I will always be the only biological mother they ever have, whether they like it or not. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So they can act any way they like. I'm this way. Either you for God or you against him. Either you for him, listen this morning, or you against him. That's what he said. That's not what Barbara said. I'm repeating what has been said when he inspired man to write. Because we give our flesh much more than we'll ever give him. We want to be pleased. And when we need something, we'll go to him. We're not asking him to make us over again. Wash us clean. Help me, Lord, to be like your son, Jesus Christ. He come to do the will of him that sent him. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt who he was and who you were. 
See, if we know who he is and what we are in him and who we are to him, it's going to be all right. You don't have to fight your own battles. I'm telling you, vengeance is his. He'll take care of it. Don't do nothing to nobody. Don't do nothing against nobody. And it's already all right this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So look, as you look on Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, look, Jesus knew uh, 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 Judas Iscariot. Don't y'all remember he knew Judas Iscariot? He knew what Judas was all about. He knew. He knew Judas was about that money. Jerry Crowd said, that's what I'm that's what I'm about. That part, I had to help her. <laughs> but Judas was really about that money. He wanted to hold the money back. Yeah. Said, Peter, go ahead on um, down there and look at the fish mouth and, and get the coin out of there because we must render the Caesar was Caesar and render the God was God. Because see, Judas was holding that Money bag, he, he wasn't willing to give Caesar nothing out the bag, really. Go back and look at Matthew, the tax collector. He was sitting there cheating, too. Till God coming to Jesus came along. And we today, many of us, we're going to have some shortcomings. But don't let it be sin. Let it be shortcomings. I look at Peter, he had a lot of shortcomings. When he cut the soldier ear off, God told, he healed and put the ear back on the soldier. And he told Peter, if you live by the sword, Peter, you're going to die by it. If we live by raggedy life in this world because doing what our flesh wants to do, we're going to die by Because that's what we live by. But if we're living by the word of God, if we're living by prayer, if we're living by our mind to do God right, because if you do him right, you're going to do yourself right. If you do him right, you can do others right. But people are not going to understand you now because they're looking for that old person. That old person gone. I don't never want to see that no more. Mm-mm. She wasn't fit. Mm-mm. She wasn't no good. Wasn't fit to live and couldn't die. God came in and made her over, brand new creature in him. And I try to remember that daily and adjust myself according to the word. Remember, I often talk to you about perfect practice makes perfect. I often share that with you. I come from a school, Eugene J. Butler, that's what they taught me. It was in the gym. Perfect practice makes perfect. And we have to do a perfect practice to walk upright before God in his word. So we got to do a perfect practice in studying his word and applying it. See, we want to study on Monday, throw the Bible under the bed after we done read it and, and whatever, and then we don't pick it up no more till three months down the road and dust on it. We got to blow the dust off it because it's been under there and it's done, a, you know, accumulated dust. But your word should be out where you can get to it. Your word should be 
uh, where you can study. You can go online now and get that King James Version, any version you want, the new NIV uh, or the Living Bible. You can get all of them right online and, and open them pages up side by side and study. Look, I heard a word yesterday. I heard a scripture. And when I heard that scripture, boy, it pierced me right quick. I had to stop what I was doing and go over there. I think it was in Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Let's let's look for it. That, that's the way I know to go. That's the way I know to go. But it blessed me real good right quick. And I got to go there today. And... Uh, I was a Corinthian. I think it was Timothy. Let me look right quick. But it had to be Corinthians. Which one he said it was. And, and look, when I went there, it blessed me real good. And I got to go back there again. Let me see. It happened there. For, listen, it says this in Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Look. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us, we have wronged no man, we have corrupted no man, we have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you. For I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and to live with you. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulations. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but were troubled, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings within were fear. Listen. Daily we need to cleanse ourselves. And I tell my burning, what they say they burn sage and shaking salt and throwing dust. I tell about that foolishness. That's not of God. But that's evil. That's the that's the devil department. That's what he have people doing. They church folks don't even know that. God don't need your help. He wants you to have faith and to diligently seek him. He's going to bless you. Having therefore these promises, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, this got to me right here. It, it, it caused me to move some things and to seek God for some things. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, look, it's it, it going to talk about uh, reveling. It's going to talk about fornication, lying, cheating, stealing. It's going to talk about all of that over. I believe that's gonna, you're going to find that in Ephesians 5, if I'm not mistaken. But how do we clean us, clean the spirit? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. You're going to cleanse it because his word. If you stay in his word and let his word do the work in you. Yeah. You got to love your enemies. That's cleansing too, believe it or not. 
You got to pray for them that despitefully use you. You can't go over there and hit them in the head with a cast iron skillet. No, that's not God. (laughs) You got to love them because what you understand, they are not where you are. I I was telling Jerry some things and she touched the nerve and she said, remember now we Christians and this is what God would require us to do. Now that this Jerry. And I said, yes, she said, that's not the Christian way. I'm like, but God going to be all right with that. Yep. But it ain't what he prefer you to do. Now, if you do that, he, he's not going to put you in hell for it, in other words. But if you do this, you'll please him better. And I thought about that thing, and I said, she's right. Here comes Shantae with the same thing. I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. I got to change my tune. <laughs> I got to change my heart. I got to change the way I'm thinking. Yeah. It wasn't really evil, but it wasn't what I could do. I could do better, and I did, and I, I really did. Yeah. And I thank God for this way, his way, not my way. I thank God for the spirit of God, being able to hear what the spirit is saying to me. I thank God that I can follow his instructions. Oh, yeah. And it's already all right this morning in Jesus' name. Good morning, my 708. God bless you this morning. Good to see that number. Good to see that area code. Hallelujah. Good morning, Sister Irene. God bless you this morning. And uh, I thank God for you, Irene. Thank God for you. And uh, Pastor David, I hope you like that song. I think you said you like it. And I want to make sure. And I thank God for you, Sister Dorothy Goodman. She's back over there at that prayer club. Everybody miss her. Some people wasn't even coming in and doing nothing over there. Because Dot was gone. Yeah. When they get sometimes people get used to something that uh, the person, that's who they want. But me, I'm one I can hear it, you know, if it come from a hellish mouth. Now after I hear what you got to say with the word, I'm gone. I can't hang, you know, with you because you flipped upside down. But I thank God today for blessing us all and uh, being on our side in spite of us. Isn't that something? Think about that. God is on your side in spite of you because we all do wrong in some way or another. Now, we're, we're striving for perfection. It, it, it's not that we won't sin again. Uh-huh. Okay. It's not that we won't do wrong again, but he, he made a way for us that if we do these things, there is forgiveness. We shouldn't focus to do these things now. Because if you know it's wrong and you do it, it's a sin. It, it's no longer a shortcoming, falling short. Now you falling into sin. Yeah. So we should, you know, take into consideration what God, love one another. Stop being in competition with folks. What you in competition for? What God has for me, it is for me. You hear me this morning? 
what God has, or should I say for you, it is for you. I know without a doubt, the Lord is bringing you out. And what God has for you, it is for you. It is for you. Yeah, you ain't got to compete with nobody else. So I'm competitive. Not not in the house of the Lord. Not in Jesus in me and I'm in him. I'm not competing with nobody. And when God bless you, I rejoice for you. Because if there's any overflow, I get the overflow. And if there's no overflow, if I rejoice for what God has done for you, he's going to give me a blessing. He's going to work a miracle and somebody else will rejoice with me and get the overflow. Huh? Oh, God is faithful, faithful, faithful. But we got to learn to be faithful in him. We got to do what's pleasing and acceptable unto him. Oh, the flesh don't want to do it. And the flesh will tell you, you're on the right path. Nothing wrong with the way you live it. Girl, you love God, but you don't. Girl, you're a Christian. You're, on the, you're walking the upright pathway. You go to church every time the church door opens. But you're not. Let me tell you something. Irene and I was sharing this, I think that was yesterday. Either we for God or we against him. Now, that's what his word said. Now, you can't hold it against me. You can, but it, it won't help you now because I wasn't there when God inspired man to write it. But check this out. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's now, now, can you find anywhere in there where you're not? He also does this. He hears what we say, but he's looking at what we're doing. And if I say I love you, but I don't have no ever have time for you, and then I realize, if I can realize, you're the God of my life. Because of you, I'm here. You 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 sent your only begotten son to suffer for me, so I because I couldn't pay the price. He he paid my ransom for me because I couldn't. Now if you truly know that you're gonna truly love God, you're gonna show it. You're not gonna show your flesh all the time. You're not gonna even show what the devil doing because some of us, uh, 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 not us, but some are doing what the devil requires working along with their flesh, and you, and you think, I don't see it. Let me tell And I, I say nothing. I act completely dumb. I, I'm t- I act completely dumb to it because vengeance is mine. I will take care of that. Yeah. I had a, I, I, I don't know if children here, so I shouldn't tell this, but I had a vision about, some people doing something sexual. Well, it was this one person concerning me. And a lot of times when it's a man, it's a woman. Listen to me. And I was busy, so I saw it and I didn't see it. I saw it and I paid it attention, but I didn't pay it attention. I'm honest. But when I focused back, I saw it and it was a woman. And I'm looking crazy. I said, Lord, I knew that. 
I knew that. You continue on. You continue on. And give her me. Give her me, and it's going to be all right. Sometimes we have to go through the valley. I mean, down in there. We go through. God sent us down in there so we can pull somebody up out the valley. And if we can walk in the spirit, it can be done. But if we're looking in the flesh, we're going to complain. Especially, yeah, some things that you don't like. Some things that you feel is filthy. And you feel like these people, the enemy has taken their mind. You're going to feel some type of way. But God said you ain't got to feel no type of way. But spiritually, let me lead and guide you down in this valley to pull up out of the valley. And then he will allow it for so long, and then after so long, he see whether if they're not coming out the valley, he'll release you from the duties. But you got to have patience to wait until he release you. And it's already all right this morning in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to this one, and uh, when we come back, I have a testimony uh, I want you to hear. Hallelujah.
Radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Apostle James Pinkney. You fight on. I can listen to the little short man with the long hair all day long. In that song right there, I like the way he put that together. And uh, I can hear it. It sounds like the steel guitar to me. Brother Louis taught me a lot of things on that steel guitar. So it sounds like that. And uh, I'm grateful unto Almighty God today for good gospel music. So listen, um, this was in 2019, this Christmas card come. And uh, it's from, like y'all already know, Sister Dorothy Goodman. And uh, it says, uh, wishing you all the peace, joy, and love of the season. Have a merry and blessed Christmas. God bless you. Blessings, Dot. Yeah, Sister Dorothy Goodman. Uh, let's see. I think I got one from Brother Frank. I'm going to read here as well, I think. Now, this one is from I Can't Make It Out. But it says, heavenly peace to you and yours. Merry Christmas, many blessings uh, this coming year. Yeah, I, I like this one, too. It's, it's a cute little card, too. And uh, I got um, the pugs on the front, two dogs on this one. And Merry Christmas from Tony and Angie, Libby and Lola and Abu. And uh, it's a cute little card. It, it don't have any other words. It just told me who the card was from. And I put these on my fireplace, by the way, for decoration. Uh, this is from David Sorello and his wife, Barbara. Uh, for, you, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah, I like this one, too, a lot. You know, I keep certain ones in certain places. So when this time of year comes, you know, if I got some new ones, I mix them in. But my old ones, you know, I keep them, too, put them on the fireplace, that kind of thing. Now, this is from Brother Frank. And uh, may the simple joys of Christmas be yours. That was December of 2017. Frank sent me this card. I'm going to call him today and remind him, you know, I found your 2017 card. He's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> now, Pastor Rivers, I don't know if y'all remember Brother Pedro. I know Brother Louis probably will. Brother Pedro, Brother Anthony, Brother Frank, Brother D, I know they probably remember Pedro. This was his pastor. Yeah, Pastor Rivers. And uh, she sent me this uh Sister Barbara, thinking of you, may God be with you always in everything you do and keep you covered under his blood. Yeah, Pastor Rivers, this is a beautiful card. And uh, I, I got quite a few of them, and I was just trying to see who else I got cards from. Another one from Sister Dot in 2017. <laughs> this is cute. Dear Barbara, Praying this Christmas season, you will have time to reflect upon the goodness of God and enjoy memorable times with family and friends. Christmas blessings. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless you, and we will see you soon. 
Dot Goodman. Yeah, Sister Dot always send cards. Birthday cards, Mother's Day cards. Yeah, yeah, she always have done that. And uh, a blessing to me over in the prayer club. Yeah. Now, this one is from Carrie and Peaches. And it says, may the blessings of Christmas bring you peace and joy this holiday season to Barbara. Now, this is my niece and her friend. Yeah, this is my niece and her friend. Ah, last year, they gave me that card. So uh, I have a lot more, more, but I don't always pull them all out because that's a lot of cards. But I pulled these out and I put them, you know, on the mantle. Yeah. And uh, just let them hang off the mat. I got me two silver bells, and I got some little trees, you know, and things. I'm going to decorate it real cute and put my cards. And I got more in this box. So I'm going to look in here. Maybe tomorrow i read some more cards from different people. But uh, I wanted you to hear. Oh, we're running out of time with cards. But I wanted you to hear this testimony this morning. So let's take a listen. I remember one of the last times that I really did myself in with vomiting. I couldn't vomit, and I was trying to put anything down my throat to do it. Anything, any object I could to put down my throat, and it wouldn't happen. Tried all the tricks, it wouldn't happen. So I go out to my hallway, and I'm exhausted. And I was like, God, Jesus, Mary, like I was desperate. And I was like, if you take this from me, I will walk away from everything. I will never go back to bodybuilding. I will never go back to cheerleading. I will never, I will never look back. And I didn't know that he heard me. So it starts when I was six years old, about six or seven years old. And I was being babysat by um, a family friend. And, um, he lured me into a room and I was molested and I never told anyone about it. I look back on it and I think why I didn't tell anyone and it's more so just I didn't even have the words to explain what I felt and what happened. I just knew that I hated him and I knew that I was upset at my dad my whole life and I never told him what happened. Um, and why were you upset with your dad specifically? I think I had this expectation that he was supposed to protect me. And he was a military dad. So all I saw from him was like yelling. And I'm Filipino, so we're just very dramatic about everything. But he was always yelling and loud in the house. And so the only really response I ever got from him in life was order and discipline and I guess I was just mad at him because I never told him and I, I wanted love is probably why I was mad at him. And I look back and I probably wanted him to protect me and that was his best friend. So as I got older, um, I have an older sister and an older brother and my family is just a really successful family in their environment that they're in and their community. They're very vibrant. They're very, they host everybody all the time. They're just incredible people. But I remember from a young age, feeling really isolated and not really wanting to be around everybody the way my family wanted to be around everybody. In high school, I started noticing, I didn't start noticing, my family started noticing 
really odd behaviors. Kind of started with eating, and I just stopped eating. I learned about anorexia, and I thought it was a good idea. I look back now, and I think that I was honestly just trying to get some sense of control in life and also maybe just trying to cry out for attention at the same time. Um, so I started doing that, and then I started getting really quote-unquote depressed. And I would just have days where I was in the worst mood. And in my family, that's not common. Like, our culture isn't to be moody and not talkative. We're very social, loving people. And I would just withdraw a lot. And I remember days I started cheerleading and getting into, like, a very socially popular crowd. I remember days where I would just withdraw, maybe as a middle schooler, and just cry. And we started cheerleading competitions. So our whole family would go. It would be a very communal event. And I would run to my mom's lap, and I would cry. And she was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. I feel like somebody died. And I would always just feel like, feel that way. Like, I just felt like someone died. Like, imagine, right? Like, that's crazy. Nothing's even happening, and you're feeling like that in the middle of a cheerleading competition. So she didn't really know what to do with that. I don't, it's really odd to think about it, but I really just started to hate myself to the point where I would say really derogatory things to myself as a younger kid. I would write curse words in my closet. I would do just really weird things. And in high school, after losing my virginity, I got extremely promiscuous, extremely rebellious, and the eating disorder all on top of it. I got to this point, I remember this boyfriend broke up with me, and I was so distraught, and I thought it was a good idea to cut myself. So I did. And ever since that moment, I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing because I felt something. Like I felt I was able to connect with how I felt for the first time. But every time I would get angry, I would resort to self-harm. And it didn't even have to be a huge issue of anger. It could be my mom disciplining me for a proper reason. And I would run upstairs and I would cut and I would dig my fingers into my arm and I would get upset if I didn't bleed. I would just get so angry, I would claw myself into my thighs. And there was one significant moment that I remember my mom got upset with me and she was a very like prim and proper kind of person. And so, and I think just in my brokenness when she would come at me, it was like an even deeper dig than she even knew. And so she was just disciplining me on something, and I remember grabbing the largest knives I could find. And this was in high school at this time. And I ran upstairs to the bathroom, and I remember just hearing the knives, like the ching, ching, and I felt nothing. And I put my head down for a little bit, and I lifted my head, and all I saw was a countertop, like, puddled of blood. And I was like, what did I just do? And I looked at my arm, and it wasn't like the usual, where it was like little cuts. It was like flesh. And I felt nothing. So I wrapped that up. I kept that a secret. Um, my mom started putting me into therapy. I had a psychologist. I had a psychiatrist. I had a therapist. And while the sessions, I guess, were helpful to some degree, like, None of it changed the behavior. None of it changed what I was feeling. I just had the worst doctors 
that you could think of that would say things like, you're afraid to get your blood drawn, but you're not afraid to cut yourself. I felt so messed up. Like, I felt jacked up. Like, if I could just use those words. Um, coming from a super well-to-do, amazing family, it was like, what is wrong with me? Why am I like this? <laughs> like, you know, my sister's super successful. My brother's a UCLA graduate. What is wrong with me? We just kept trying to do that. I was being medicated all the way throughout high school. And then towards the end of high school, I said something really weird to my mom. And I said, I don't want to take medication anymore. I'm just going to go to church. And we went to church every Sunday. And I always had this severe connection to the reverence of God when I would go into the Catholic church. Like, I liked the bowing. Like, people make fun of it. I liked it. Like, I liked getting on the ground and, and the bowing. I don't know what it was. I loved worship. I loved singing. But there was really no one telling me anything about a deeper connection with God. So I kind of left it at that. I got off the medication that I was on, and I went to college. And I realized that I couldn't function by myself. I couldn't wake up in the morning. I had 9 a.m. classes. I couldn't, for the life of me, create a schedule. I look back now, and it's like a blur. I had zero, like, self-control in my mind. Um, and all I knew how to do was party and sleep around. So that's what I did. My brother was at UCLA and I was at LA State. And I was just trying to follow in these footsteps, but I couldn't even put one foot in front of the other. And I was failing my classes and I ended up getting in a fight and they sent me home. So I came home for the summer just to come back for a break. I decided I couldn't go back, that I wasn't stable enough to do it. So then I started getting really into cheerleading. We owned a really huge, very successful cheerleading gym. And this is kind of where life got better. I got into cheerleading and I was extremely successful. It started to peak like around when I was 23, 24-ish. And because I was already in such excellent physical shape, I thought it would be a great idea to start bodybuilding. So I got into bikini bodybuilding and I soared in that. I excelled in that. And I kind of became a fitness icon in my community. Um, it was when Instagram kind of came out and I was kind of journaling and just sharing my journey. I was losing a lot of weight, getting in incredible shape, um, getting ready to compete. And I felt like finally I had the attention that I was looking for my whole life. And finally I was hitting this period of success. Like finally something's clicking for me. I was excelling. I was at Sac State as a cheerleader and our home gym as a cheerleader, coaching teams, traveling nationwide, judging for one of the largest cheerleading companies. Life was like amazing. And I go to this competition and I get like third out of five. And that's incredible. But something in me just clicked. And it was like, that's not enough. This isn't good. You're terrible. And all of those thoughts just started pouring back in about how terrible I was. So at this point, I was um, 135 pounds when I first started, and I hit the stage at about maybe 100 pounds. And that's a lot for someone who's 5'1 um, and was already in good shape. So I remember when I went to celebrate with everybody after this competition, I ate and something told me, like, go to the bathroom now and vomit that all out. So I did. And I had some issues with that growing up, but it was like a monster at this stage. And so I realized if I could vomit, then I could compete, I could keep dieting, 
I could keep training and then eat when I want to eat and then vomit. Like, this is perfect. It works out. This is great. And so I kept doing that. And there would be days where I would have like an almond and a couple, a couple almonds and an apple. And I would go to classes and then I would go to Sac State practice and then I would go to the gym. And then the next day I would go to Krispy Kreme's, Carl's Jr., Safeway and get a bunch of food. And I would fill myself to the point where like you could feel like pressure in your neck. Like I couldn't even breathe with how much food I would get in to intentionally then vomit it all out. At this point, I noticed some really odd things starting to happen. Like when I was driving to and from practices, I would fall asleep in my car. And I just thought I was tired, but it was like right away, I would just start falling asleep and like drifting. At one point I was driving and I don't even remember how I felt. All I remember is waking up and everything that was on the bottom of my car going to the top of my car. And I was like, I, I had no idea what was happening and my truck was flipping off the freeway. And um, I then remember hitting the ground and skidding. And then it rolled back onto its wheels. What just happened? And I took my seatbelt off and I ran to the side of the road. I think it was just adrenaline in my body. I ran to the side of the road and someone pulled over and he was like, are you okay? Who's in there? Who's in there? And I was like, no one. No one's in there. It's just me. And he's like, no. He was like convinced that someone was in there to the point where I thought someone was in the car with me. And he was like, are you drunk? Are you on drugs? I'm like, no. And so he ran to my truck to look if anyone was in there. Someone was in there. I go to the hospital. Everything's fine. Everything's good. I returned to one of my cheerleading practices that week. And my my teammate said, we saw an accident on the side of the road but we didn't think it was you because there was someone, there were two people in the car. And I was like, it kind of hit me. And I was like, that's not the, like, that's exactly what the guy said. So I look back now and, and I'm like, God, that was you. But anyways, that was in the whole phase of just like what I was going through in life. Everything was just such a blur, but that was one thing I had to mention. Um, so yeah, I was continuous, continuing cheerleading, doing great in that had this eating disorder, but it was like I had it on lock. Like, I could do this. I could keep doing this. And then eventually we were at the peak of our cheerleading journey, and we were going to Worlds, which is the cheerleading Olympics. And at the same time, I was getting ready for my second bikini bodybuilding competition. So you can imagine thousands of people following your journey. You're sharing. You're at the top of this pinnacle of your life. And I remember going home from practices and just days and feeling so, like, empty and dead. After all the posting, after all the sharing, after all the incredible high, I was, like, dead. And so I started drinking myself to sleep. And I started taking, like, things to go to sleep just to, like, numb myself out from that emptiness that I was feeling. And then suddenly something happened. I started to lose my gag reflex. And I panicked because my whole career, everything that I was doing great at, relied on me being able to do what I was doing. And it got really hard for me to vomit to the point where I was vomiting at least four hours a day. My my eyes would be bloodshot, my jaw would be sore, my knuckles would be bloody, yet like somehow no one knew what I was doing. And I would go and I would coach kids, I was still traveling, doing all of this. I remember at one point I wanted to tell my mom that I wanted to recover from bulimia. I was like, I'm ready, I can't do this. Like. I think I'm going to kill myself if I keep doing this. And I remembered wanting to eat carrots, but a coach of mine had told me I couldn't have colored vegetables. 
so I started shaking every time I wanted to eat something outside of my meal plan, and I couldn't do it. But we were having hour-long practices, getting ready for Worlds. I go to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I cannot go to practice today. She's like, why? I was like, I want to eat carrots, and I can't. And that's when I was realizing something was, like, severely wrong. And she was like, no, 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 you're fine. You're okay. Dust it off. You're going to be all right. She's like, okay. So I go to the practice. And I just keep remembering, like, I was like, I can't do this. If I keep doing this, I'm going to die. Like, I knew. I just knew in the back of my mind I'm going to die. Because I would be at cheerleading competitions in the middle of a routine forgetting where I was. And, like, being thrown around in the air, doing backflips. And I was like, no sense of what was happening. So when I went to this practice, I went to my coach, and I'm like, I love you, I love the team, but I can't do this. And I was the center top girl. Everything in the routine, the pyramids, all revolved around this one girl that fought for her position all this time. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't. I walk away. I'm done. And when I walked away, everybody was like, of course, really angry at me, really mad at me, didn't understand. But I felt betrayed because I was like, I'm dying. And no one cares. Like, everybody wants me to continue to be this fitness model, and I'm literally killing myself to do it. So I remember going home, and I'd be in my room, and I saw this light at the end of the tunnel. I didn't know what it was. I would just see a light at the end of the tunnel, and I felt like something in me saying, like, recover. Take your time to heal. Walk away from your, go. Take, get in hiding and heal. So I would grab food. I would go in my room, I would eat it, I would sit in my bed, and I would rock back and forth like a crazy person and, like, shake because I couldn't handle this feeling of wanting to go vomit. I would put a blanket over my head, I would pop some Benadryl, and I'd go to bed. And I would do that almost every day, um, do what I had to do, and then do that. And I started gaining weight massively. Like, I went from 100 pounds to 150 pounds. I wasn't competing anymore, but I had to show up in the gym to coach kids and stuff, and... It was probably the most humiliating and the most embarrassing part of my life because everybody that I thought that was following me to cheer me on, I could kind of hear it in the whispers of the background, like, how disgusting. Like, she fell off the wagon is the frame that people would use. And little did they know I was fighting for my life. I remember being, having no friends at this point because I walked away from everything. And I went onto YouTube at night and I found this video by Zia Saldivar, and I had no idea what this guy was saying. I just couldn't stop watching. And he would, like, speak so fast that it would be like, <gasps> and he would talk and go, <gasps> like, I think I was hearing, I was just like, what is happening? Like, what, is, what in the world is this guy talking about? And he said something, and he said, the Bible is alive. And I remembered this Bible that someone gave me for Christmas that was sitting on my shelf. And I was like, what do you mean the Bible's alive? And mind you, I was ready for like, if there was a life outside of the one that I built, I wanted it. I was at the pinnacle. I was at the top of the top that anyone could have ever wanted. The fame, the success, the popularity, the, the looks. I was at the pinnacle of that, and I felt like hell. So I was like, if, I, if there is something out there that exists that's not this, and it's great because this guy's having the time of his life talking about it, I want that. So I started reading the Bible. And I opened up the book of Exodus. And I didn't really know at the time it was my Exodus. But I was reading about the Israelites, and I was like, why would they go back? Like, I was so into it. I was like, oh, my gosh, the Bible's alive. Like, I was just on this high. 
And so I threw away my makeup. I was throwing away, like, everything. And I was like, I'm going to give everything away for, like, this life. Like, this Christian life looked so appealing to me because it had nothing to do with what I was doing. I got a couple of invitations to come to this church where this guy was at. Um, little did I know he was down the street from where I lived. I go to the church. And mind you, like, I was raised Catholic, right? So I walk in, and I'm like, I know this Jesus thing. Like, I know Jesus, you know. And I walk in, and I, I truly was sincerely grateful to be in a place that I thought I wasn't going to be judged. I thought that Christians, like, didn't wear makeup. I thought that they wore dresses and bonnets and were just very strange, peculiar people. And I was so excited because I was severely overweight. I was at the low of my lows, and I was an embarrassment to the fitness society in my eyes and to the whole society, to the cheerleading society. Like, everything they built me up to be, I was not. And so I walked into this place, and I'm like, great. Like, it's going to be great. They can't judge me. Like, this is awesome. Like, they're not going to be beautiful. They're just going to be normal people. And I walk in, and it is not what I expect. It's a bunch of young people on fire, shouting, yelling. And I'm like, what are they yelling about? Where is Jesus on the cross? Like, I was so confused, but I was trying to play it cool. Like, I know what I'm doing here. Like, this is church. I know what to do. So I'm sitting in a chair, and I wanted someone so badly to just point at me and be like, you, you are hurting inside. You are dying. You are throwing up your food. And you are, like, I just wanted someone to expose me. But no one did. And I remember the preacher at the altar, and he just kept saying for 20 minutes, come to the altar, come to the altar. Tonight's your night. Come to the altar. And in the Catholic Church, we never went to the altar to respond to anything. So I wasn't quite sure what it was, but he just kept telling us to do it. So I was like, I either walk out of here or I go to that altar. So I went to the altar, and I just start crying. Like, I don't even know what I'm crying about, but I just start crying, probably just some so shattered at this moment, and I finally get to cry in a public place because everybody else is crying. I'm crying, and this beautiful girl that smells so good with, like, this long, luscious hair comes up to me, and she's like, can I pray for you? And I'm like, no, this isn't what it's supposed to be like. Like, she's not supposed to be beautiful. And she just, like, lays her hands on me, and she's like, I feel like you have a story for women I feel like you're going to talk to thousands of women one day and share your story. And mind you, at this time, I was still vomiting. I was still struggling. I even got a tattoo on my wrist that says fighter with the eating disorder symbol because I was so, I was so set on recovery. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But I couldn't do it. As much as I wanted to stop, I couldn't stop. I would do the whole thing I told you. I would eat. I would shake. I would take the pill. But then I would still eventually, like, sometimes be out in a restaurant, eat, and I couldn't function so I would run to a public restaurant and mind you their bathrooms are not very clean and I was like I don't care I got to do what I got to do and I would do it so for her to be telling me this I'm like either somebody in here knows who I am and they're like that poor fat girl that lost it all go pray for her or God was really talking to her I chose to believe it was God (laughs) and I kept coming back And I kept coming back, and I kept coming back, and my life was a mess. But I was still really good at, like, masking things. Kept coming back to that altar. I don't even know what was happening to me. No one was even having to say anything to me, but things were happening to me. I remember one of the last times that I really did myself in with vomiting. 
I couldn't vomit, and I was trying to put anything down my throat to do it. Anything, any object I could to put down my throat, and it wouldn't happen. I tried all the tricks, it wouldn't happen. So I go out to my hallway, and I'm exhausted. And I was like, God, Jesus, Mary, like I was desperate. And I was like, if you take this from me, I will walk away from everything. Like, I will never go back to bodybuilding. I will never go back to cheerleading. I will never, I will never look back. And I didn't know that he heard me. I just remember being desperate. And after that, and going to this church, and just walking it out, I started realizing people would testify at the altar, and I started realizing hearing voices in your head isn't normal. I started realizing, like, hating yourself isn't normal. Like, and all these things started flashing back in my mind of my childhood. And I'm like, cutting yourself isn't normal. Punching yourself in the face isn't normal. Like, looking in the mirror hearing, you're effing disgusting, isn't normal. Like, as I was in the church and they were testifying, I started realizing things in my life weren't normal because that was my normal for so long. So I was like, hold on a minute. Like, there's something to this thing. Like, this isn't just, like, I'm going to, get Jesus and be a better person and not wear makeup and like escape from the life that I had. But like, God's going to take this stuff. He's going to take all of this crap that I thought was normal. Like all of this in my mind, all of this dysfunction. It's not something that I'm going to have to just be like Jesus and this, like it's going to, it's going to go like, this isn't, this isn't like the way they would talk about it. I'm like, there's freedom for me. So I kept walking it out. They asked me to lead worship. And I was like, me? Like, y'all know what you're asking for? <laughs> like, I don't think you really know, like, what, I, what I've been into, what I've done, who, who I've done, where I've done it. I was floored that they would even ask me. And I remember talking to my pastor. His name was Nino. We call him Nino. And I, I remember talking to him just kind of about the insecurities about it, and he said something to me. He said, Miha, I didn't put you up there. The Lord did. And I was like, okay, like, the Lord knows everything that I'm struggling with and everything that I'm going through, and he would put me up there. And I think that's where the fear of God came over me, and I think that that's where the true relationship with Jesus started, because I realized that I couldn't build another kingdom inside the church. Like, my whole life, I was trying to build a life and build a kingdom and get it right. But then when I came into this place, it was like, I didn't have to do that anymore. Like, it was all about Jesus, and I was so relieved. I was <laughs> like, thank you that it's not about me. I was unlearning a lot of things from Catholicism. I was unlearning that, that Jesus was far. I was unlearning that, yes, he's holy, and he's sacred, and there's reverence, but he's near, and he's tangible, and he's good. And so I started building this relationship with him, really just modeling a lot of the things that I saw in the church, like when I would see people talk about him, I was like, that's him. Like, I want to know him. That's the one. And as I kept doing this, I started realizing, like, I remember greeting, greeting in the church. They asked me to greet as well. And I remember the first time I greeted, when people would walk in, I would hear voices. I would hear, like, they hate you. You don't belong here. Like, overwhelming. Like, I was in the church. I was walking this out. I was reading my Bible. I was doing all the things. And I would feel this overwhelming sense of, like, you don't belong here. I remember asking the Lord, I was like, Jesus, is it always going to be this way? 
Like, am I going to be in, the, in, in this place? Am I going to always hear voices? Then I remember one time, I, this is, I promise, it's going to connect. I went shopping one time for the first time in like a year and a half maybe. And I put on a, a shirt and I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, I like this color. And I started bawling because for the first time I didn't hear you're effing disgusting. When I looked in the mirror, it was a trip. I was like waiting for it. I was like, and I didn't hear anything. I was like, oh, I like these jeans. Oh, I like this. And it was like a five-year-old saying those things out loud, like, this is pretty color. And I know that sounds so trivial. That sounds so trivial. But it was huge for me, getting to go to church. And I started believing these people love me, hearing the voices of, like, you're disgusting, you're this, you're that, to the point where I would, like, wait to hear it. And they were gone, like, completely gone. And I was kind of waiting for my personality to do that weird thing where seasonally it would shift. And all of a sudden I'd get depressed. Like that was just kind of the cycle. So as I was walking out my faith, I was like waiting for those things to return. And they never did. And I was like, huh, okay. You know, but I was walking out biblical things. And I was, you know, that kind of stuff. But I do want to share this. I started sharing the gospel. And I started talking about Jesus to people. And my hands would get ice cold. And my jaw would start to jitter. And I was like, yo, like, does, does this happen to other people? And I remember at the time, my pastor was Isaiah Saldivar, the guy I found on the video. And he was, I remember him saying, like, my hands get warm when I pray. And I was like, my hands do not get warm when I pray. Like, my hands are freezing ice cold. And I just thought it was really weird. And I remembered in a, in a family gathering, our church was kind of small, knit, tight-knit, um, core people, we're all gathering, and this guy was talking about a deliverance that he did, right? We're, we're Christians, we're talking about Christian things, and he was like, get out in the name of Jesus. And I remember getting extremely uncomfortable. Like, I've seen demons manifest, all that kind of stuff, but when he was saying it, I was getting really uncomfortable, and I was like, whoa. And I heard a voice, like I used to hear a voice, and it said, move your body like this. Sit up like this. And it started telling me how to move and sit. And it reminded me of when, like, when I got really drunk in the club and I'd look in the mirror and I'd have to, like, smack my face and be like, okay, girl, you got this, you got Like, that same, like, drunken feeling was what I was feeling when he was saying that. And I was like, okay, like, that's just really weird. And then sometimes I would lead worship and it would be amazing and I would feel, like, just so victorious. And then sometimes I would lead worship and I would feel so far from God. So far, like something was seriously up, and I had to like worship through it. And I was like, I hope no one else notices that I'm doing this. People can't hear what I'm feeling. And a girl came up to me, and she was like, and she was really close to me, and she was like, Sometimes you're like really on, and then sometimes it feels like you're off. So I was like, Okay, something's wrong. Like people are feeling this. So I go to this. I, this is the part I kind of want to share, and this is like the kind of close up of like my testimony. Because I'm on fire for God. I'm walking this out. Now all of a sudden some weird things are happening to me. I go to this girl that I'm really close to, and I meant to ask her, like, why do I feel this way? Like, is this normal for your jaw to jitter and your hands to get cold? Like, does that happen to you? So I wanted to ask her, and she was like, can I pray for you? Like, is it okay if I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, sure. And we were sisters. We're tight. So she takes me upstairs to, like, I was at her house. She takes her upstairs to pray. She lays her hands on my head, like, super gently, and she's like, just start speaking in tongues. And I close my eyes and I see a wolf in the right side of my, my vision. And I'm like, I see a wolf. And she's like, okay, okay. 
and she keeps praying. And then she's like, are you sure you're Filipino? I'm like, what? Yes, yes. She's like, you're full Filipino. I'm like, yes, this is so weird. And she's like, okay, because I see a Chinese dragon. And I was like, oh, my dad's Chinese. Like, that's weird. And she's like, okay. And she starts praying. And mind you, remember, I lost my gag reflex. She just starts praying, and I don't even remember what she was praying. And I start to feel something go from my belly to my throat, and I start, like, coughing like I'm gagging to throw up. And at this point, Eric, I'm blown away because I'm like, I don't have a gag reflex. I can't throw up. And I start vomiting. And it ends up being a three-hour-long deliverance. And she's calling up things from my childhood. She's calling up things that I don't even remember because of the trauma, like my memories were just slaughtered. And I, she calls up things about the molestation. And mind you, I know I opened talking about that, but I hadn't talked about it ever since it happened, maybe once to a friend. And this would be the second time. And so how would she know that? And so she starts calling up all this stuff and starts coming out and I'm vomiting and I'm crying because I'm vomiting because I'm like, this is a miracle. And it was so beautiful. She knows my testimony and she was crying. Um, her daughter that was in the room, she was crying because I was getting so much freedom and so much brokenness from childhood. The stuff I never talked about was coming up and like these things were just leaving me. And I remember towards the end of it, she was calling something up and I was manifesting and I was like feeling like jittery and like, you know, when you feel like you're freezing and your body's just shivering, like that's what my body kept doing, like shivering and moving all over the place. And she gently takes this like Bible that's about this thick, super tiny, and she places it really gently, like very gently on my back. And all of a sudden, I remember hearing it, but I didn't feel it like the pain. And I hear him going, ow, ow, ow. And I'm melting to the carpet. I'm melting to the floor. And I remember what she put on me felt like a 1,000 pounds. Like I couldn't even have the capacity to like push my body against it. Like nothing. It put me flat to the ground. The rest of the deliverance happened on the ground. Things left. It was amazing. But I really wanted to share that part because it was, a pivotal moment for me because I remember after that deliverance, I was like, God, I might not understand everything in your word, but I cannot deny the power that that thing had. Everything that you say to me now, it's done. It's it. It's truth and that's it. Because I got completely set free. I got set free from those things. But just remembering Eric, like that moment, it felt like, and I say it feels like, it felt like gold. Like, you know, those like chunks of gold that look like that. They're like those chunks of gold. It felt like that was touching me. And like, I literally lost all power, like my flesh, everything. I couldn't. And so now, like, you know, when I see things in the Bible, I'm telling you, I'm like, I don't know, but it's true. <laughs> I don't know, but Jesus is Lord, you know? And so I, when I go through those experiences and I go through times of trials and I go through times of where I can't really quite wrap my head around it, like, God, how is this possible? And I have all these questions. I'm brought back to that moment where I was slithering on the ground and in the name of Jesus, those things were coming up and out. It's like, I cannot deny the power of God. I cannot deny the one who delivered me. Like, you want to ask me how my life is now? Like, 
I would have never, I'm living a dream. Like, I would have never imagined the life I'm living now could have been for me if you were to tell me that. Like, when I was in the thick of everything, like, you'd be leading worship. You'd be sharing your testimony. You'd be setting people free. You'd be in deliverances, casting out demons. Like, what? What? Like, you mean to tell me this thing that was after me, whatever caused that accident when I flipped my truck, whatever caused me to cut myself and didn't feel anything, whatever had me punching myself square in the face, like, you mean to tell me that I have power in Jesus over all of that? And no one has to live that way? Oh, I'm giving my life to this thing. And so here I am. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of my testimony. I, I want to I take a, a time here, and, and I, I want to really make it plain for people who are watching, who maybe are having even a hard time just understanding everything that you're saying. At some point, you said the voices were gone. Right. And, and, and through your testimony, we're seeing that there is levels of, of freedom and deliverance that was happening. Yeah. Right now, yeah. for those people who are watching right now, who are 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 suffering, let's say, even just hearing those voices in their head, those condemning voices. And they're like, well, I'm, I'm going to churches. I'm still hearing them. I don't. How can I get rid of these voices? What what can I do? What can you tell those men, those women? Yeah kid, older people, whoever they are, what can you tell them? Read the Bible out loud, violently. Uh, The person that was discipling me, she would hold my head like intimacy and put her head to mine. And I'm not saying have someone do this to you. I'm just saying like this was powerful. And she would speak the scriptures over me, over my mind. Like she would see it on my countenance when I would come in to like, it wasn't a small group, but we would gather for prayer like once a week. And she would just see that countenance change, like maybe I was hearing those things, you know. And she would speak the scripture over me. I would say, speak the scripture over yourself. I would say, look in the mirror in your eyes and speak the word. Because the word of God has undeniable power, undeniable power. I didn't need to understand. I didn't need to wrap my head around it theologically. I needed the power. And so I would, yeah, speak the word of God over yourself and get into a church community where the language is Jesus. Because you start to discern, you know, what is God and what isn't God. When you start getting yourself around the language of the Lord, people that are praying, people that are speaking, that are lifting you up. Because I was in this realm of negativity, and it was almost like a breeding ground for the devil to say things and me believe them. But then when I got around a spirit-filled community where it was encouragement, and it was life, and it was the Word of God, the Word of God was being preached, and I was reading it in my own time, when I would hear that sneak, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, that that ain't the Lord, and that ain't me, like... And I think that a huge part of it that I sincerely believe is going to be powerful is learning to say, that's not my voice. That when you hear those voices, you hate yourself, you're effing disgusting. I mean, the things are derogatory. You don't think those things about yourself. When you're five years old, imagine what your five-year-old would say to yourself, right? You want the best for yourself when you're little. You want to have the best friends. When you walk into school, if you didn't have, like, a broken childhood, you were, like, excited, you were like, oh, I can't wait. Like, this is going to be fun. That's normal mind as you get older. So if you're having that, like, uh, you don't belong here, isolation, all of that, it's really powerful to say, those are not my thoughts. 
that is not, nope, that's not the Lord's thoughts. And so that's where I would, I would start. And I'm obviously now, Eric, I still can get that thought sideswiped, right? Like a sideswipe. And I'm like, I bind that in the name of Jesus. And I tell you to leave. I tell you to go. And it goes. Yeah. But I mean, I would also definitely, if people are struggling with that and they think it's them, the number one thing that is really powerful, Eric, is coming out of agreement with the fact that you think it's your thoughts. That's just powerful. God's going to move through that when you start saying it. And you're going to feel it. And you're going to start knowing, like, these aren't my thoughts. Marcella, who is Jesus to you? Wow. Everything. Everything. He's my breath giver. He's my rest. He's my peace. He's my joy. He's my freedom. Everything. Everything good, he is. Everything. It's Jesus. I see him in everything. And if I were to say on a simple terms, like, he's my best friend. He's my dad. He protects me. And I do want to share this. Um, when I went into the healing portion for the molestation, there was a portion of talking it out with somebody where I closed my eyes and imagined my childhood. And I started getting glimpses of things that I'd never remembered. Like, I remembered the dirt in our backyard. I remembered these little pieces of grass that came out of the ground. Like I was seeing details. I remembered this red swing that I would swing on by myself. And I was like, what is that? And I realized, like, the Holy Spirit was like, those were my memories. I was there. And I realized in the molestation, God was not okay with it. He was not okay with what happened to me. And that was healing for me. Marcella, do you have any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now, wherever they are? I don't want to ever make people think that I'm like categorizing them, but if you're resonating with what I've walked through and what has happened in my life and you're sitting in the pews on Sunday and that's all you're getting is just like a word and you're feeling no breakthrough in your life and you're just walking in darkness and hidden stuff, I want to tell them that there's more. I want to tell them that there is power, like overwhelming power in Jesus. And there's, if, if all you're getting is like a life of bondage and Jesus, I want you to know there's more. I want you to know that there's freedom. I want you to know that Jesus is alive and that he has the power to set us free, to literally, like, deliver us from all of these things. Like, I want you to know that there is hope, and I want you to know that, no, that's not normal. Like, the world might try to tell you suicide's normal. The world might try to tell you that is not normal, and there's freedom in Christ, and there's power in Jesus. Like, I'm just, I'm, I know I'm like, I get pumped up about it because I'm like, I look at people and I'm like, do you not know? Like, we have a Savior who wants to deliver us and fill us with power so that we can go and preach the gospel with power and see people not only believe in Jesus, but be set free and walk a victorious, spirit-filled, powerful life. That is just it. If you resonate with this at all, God has that for you. He's no respecter of persons. If he did it in my life, he's going to do it in yours. All right. I love that testimony. Yeah, because people go through. People go through many different things. 
uh, in many different ways. But this is what we must remember. God is a deliverer. Yeah. He is a deliverer. He delivered the apostles. He uh, delivered me and many more people. There are many witnesses that would testify to the deliverance of Almighty God because these things can be strongholds. Yeah, they can be strong. And when we uh, get in the right place at the right time, instantly God can deliver us. And over a course of time, you may not know it until over a course of time because you're so used to your routine, but then you look. I used to suck my thumb. Suck my thumb for 30 years. Excuse me, I know may have been 31. When God saved me, he sanctified. Well, when he filled me with the spirit, I didn't even realize I didn't suck my thumb no more. I had been trying to stop for years and years and years. Couldn't do it. But when he come in, no more thumb sucking, I used to have hay fever real bad. All of that went. All the illnesses went. Why? Strep throat, it had to go. Great is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. When you give your heart to God for real, when you really meet Jesus, you'll never be the same. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done this morning. We thank you for your word, for your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Forever, O oh God, thy word is settled in heaven. You sent your word and it healed us. Hallelujah. And Father, as we depart this morning, bless us to be in the right place at the right time so that we can receive from you. In the name of Jesus, Father, those that desire to be delivered, set free from the bondage of evil, from the bondage of the devil, from the bondage of flesh. Father, we ask this morning that you would do it in the name of Jesus. We bind up every evil, hindering, and negative spirit right now coming our way or that has come our way in the name of Jesus. And Father, we cast it to the pits of hell and we ask that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake. In the name of Jesus, cover us today, God. Cover us in your love. Cover us and keep us from all hurt, harm, or danger. In the name of Jesus, bless those that are coming through the archives and the podcast today. Move by your spirit for them and their families. In the name of Jesus, Father, bless our going out this morning and bless our coming in. And again, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory. By your son, Christ Jesus, we ask it all again this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. November the 28th, 2022, in Jesus' name. And this will be our last uh, song going out. We won't play it, but three three minutes of it. But we're going to play that little bit, and that will end it.